Welcome to I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. Each episode, you'll hear from different researchers at Twitter as we explore why research matters and celebrate the people and culture surrounding the work. Research is the spark that ignites countless insights, ideas, and solutions. It connects us to the humanity on the platform in deeply empathetic and inspiring ways, and it helps us better serve the public conversation. So we hope you'll join along and tweet us your questions at Twitter Research. Welcome to this episode of I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. I'm Jazz, and I'm currently an experienced researcher at Twitter, and I'm joined by my former colleague from our time at Howard University, Elisa Valentine. I'm thrilled to be your co-host today, coming at you live from the spare bedroom where I've been working since March 2020. But as Jazz said, I'm Elisa Valentine, and I'm a tech policy advocate and policy advisor. In this episode, we'll be discussing what drives our research, our experience transitioning from the academic space into industry for me, and the public sector for Elisa. Both Elisa and I received our PhDs from the Howard University School of Communications and Communication Culture and Media Studies. And while we've both been adjunct professors at various universities over the years, we're both working full-time outside of the, quote, ivory tower, so to speak. And although you can't see me, just know that I'm putting ivory tower in air quotes. Before we start, let's dive a bit deeper into what we do. So I'm a full-time experienced researcher here at Twitter working on our revenue durability team. I lead research around understanding the needs of our professional customers on Twitter, which focuses on our large companies and organizations and creators. So my focus is understanding how to improve the platform to help meet their needs, fans' needs, and Twitter's needs in the most optimal way for everyone. We love a win-win, right? Elisa, how would you describe your work? Yeah, you know, I would say the easiest way to describe my work right now is I'm an advocate for inclusive tech policies. So right now I work at the Federal Communications Commission as a special advisor to Commissioner Jeffrey Starks, and I advise the commissioner on digital inclusion policies related to communities of color and low-income communities. And I also work with the commissioner on his future of work and prison phone justice policies. I describe myself as an advocate, even though I'm working on the inside, so to speak, but I believe that advocating on behalf of marginalized communities still has to take place and does take place within the government, within the nonprofit space, and even industry. And outside of my official role, I still conduct research on issues of digital equity and larger issues of diversity and inclusion in the tech policy space. I actually have a book chapter I co-authored with a public health expert, Dr. Christy M. Gamble, that will be available next year, which is crazy to say that 2022 is only a couple months away, but the book is called Black Women in Public Health, and it's co-edited by one of my professors from undergrad who actually encouraged me to get my PhD, Dr. Stephanie Evans. Our specific book chapter explores the impact of broadband access and adoption on Black maternal health in rural communities. As you know, the pandemic has really placed a spotlight on the need for everyone, no matter their geographic location, no matter their income level, to have access to high-speed internet so that they can access healthcare, education, work, or even remain connected to family and friends. So my day job is to advocate for those communities, and that's also the research that I'm doing on the side as well. I would love for us to kind of take a step back for a second and kind of discuss how we got here. So let's travel back 
a few years, let's say 2017, when we were both deep into the PhD hustle at Howard. At that time, were you planning on staying in academia or were you always planning to take another route, like going into the tech industry or working in the public sector? So coming in, I actually knew I didn't plan to stay in academia. I had a career working in marketing and social media in the fashion industry. And then I even worked as a kindergarten teacher for a bit through Teach for America. And both of those experiences really led me to pursue my doctorate at Howard because I really wanted to understand how the images we see in the media and textbooks and marketing, how all of that really impacts society, how it shapes us as people, you know. And because I knew I wanted to look at these issues from the perspective of black and brown communities in particular, it was really important for me to do this research at an HBCU. And so, yeah, I knew that after I finished my PhD, I really wanted to take that knowledge and expertise and apply it in a real world way. I did want to continue adjuncting, though. I just knew I didn't want to be a full-time tenure-track professor. That just wasn't for me. What about you, Lisa? Did you know where you wanted life to take you when when we were at Howard? Yeah. So, you know, around that time, you know, I was a few years into my program, and I had the opportunity to participate in this Aspen Institute Communications Policy Conference that they have every summer in Aspen. And during that summit, I was meeting like tech policy advocates and industry leaders, folks who worked on Capitol Hill, and then FCC Commissioner Mignon Clyburn as well. And I was so impressed by the conversations that were happening about broadband access and adoption with the true like movers and shakers in the space. And I kind of had that feeling of, I want to be like them when I grow up. But the next year, I did intern in the office of FCC Commissioner Mignon Clyburn, who is the first and only Black woman to hold the position of commissioner and acting chairwoman at the FCC. But during my internship, I worked on a whole host of issues and was also working on my dissertation. And I just really felt like everything really started to click and everything really started to make sense. So after I graduated from Howard, I worked for an advocacy organization, Public Knowledge, here in D.C. for a year as their communications justice fellow. And then I started working at the FCC in 2019 as a special advisor to Commissioner Starks. But I would say as a Black woman, as a Latina, I've always wanted to be an advocate for my communities. And Howard really teaches you the tools that you need to do just that. And I find it incredibly important to do work in the policy space, to work in the tech and telecom space, because they're both so incredibly influential in our lives. And right now, you know, you have tech policymakers and advocates who are trying to solve so many problems and so many people who are also trying to lift up marginalized communities at the same time. So, you know, on one hand, You might have folks who are thinking about platforms as a way to uplift marginalized communities because they've been blocked out of the traditional media space. But they also have to deal with stopping the spread of misinformation and disinformation from bad actors on these same platforms. And also you are trying to figure out how to connect everyone to the internet to empower themselves and their communities. But you're also trying to ensure that our data is secure online and not being used in nefarious ways. So that work to me is really exciting and changes lives. And so I would say that I did have hopes of doing exciting work that that changes lives during my PhD program. But it's definitely not the road most traveled as it relates to academics, because the majority of the people who work in the tech policy space are attorneys, of course, which makes sense, and not PhDs. But I do believe that because of the background I have, I approach these problems in a different way. And like I said, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but I love it. Bye. 
How would you say your academic research influences the work you're doing now? Yeah, you know, in my dissertation, you know, I focused on the city of Philadelphia and the ways in which local advocates kind of galvanize support from members of their community to push government officials to negotiate for a cable franchise agreement that included digital inclusion efforts and increased funding for PEG or the public educational and government access programs. And digital inclusion has really been my bread and butter since my dissertation. I wrote about the importance of affordability and the fact that the conversation about broadband access has been so focused on rural areas, but you have a major city like that of Philadelphia with such historical significance with a high percentage of Black and Latinx residents without broadband access because some of them simply can't afford it. So talking about the digital divide is an issue that impacts people of color and low-income communities and people in rural areas as well as those in urban areas is something that I focused on in my dissertation research and that's something that I'm working on now as well. But what about you? You know, I know you studied Black influencers, which was a pretty new area, at least from what I understand at the time, and you landed a job fitting pretty squarely into what you studied as well. So have you used your research and how have you used it? So before going to Howard, I worked in social media marketing and advertising and PR and all of that good stuff. And so my dissertation focused on the intersections of influencer marketing, virtual communities, parasocial relationships, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And like you said, I had a particular focus on Black beauty influencers. There is a huge equity gap in the influencer space for Black and brown creators, pay equity, opportunity equity, all of those things. And so I really wanted to understand the experience of advertisers, Black influencers, and Black users, and just how that ecosystem works together and impacts each of those segments and the influencer space as a whole and how we could really improve it. And so I, I knew that I wanted to take that expertise to a company that was deeply embedded in that ecosystem. And it's a pretty crazy story, actually. So after my dissertation defense, I tweeted about my topic and shared my story of being the first in my family to earn a doctorate degree. And it actually went viral on Twitter. And somehow it showed up on the timeline of the then director of research here. And she invited me to San Francisco to present my dissertation to the research team. And I was honestly so nervous, but I'd say it went well because after that, I was given the opportunity to interview for a role on the team. And so we worked together to craft out a role that would allow me to bring my area of expertise to the research team and then continue to learn and grow as an industry researcher and as a UX researcher. So I was really fortunate that my dissertation directly led me to doing what I do now. And it's work that I wanted to do and that I'm really passionate about. And that experience, of course, is not typical, but I think there's something to be said about how you choose your research topic. And I knew that I wanted to work in social media and around creators in social media marketing spaces. And so against the advice of some of my professors, I actually changed my topic to better fit my goals. And I chose a topic that had a lot of current societal relevance right now. Like everyone obviously is talking about influencers. There's been a big highlight on the equity gaps within the Black creator space. And so I think that really did set me up for success. I love that. I'm so glad to hear that you're living out exactly what you worked for and, and manifested, if, as folks say. But I am curious to hear a little bit about the difficulties that you may have experienced while you're transitioning kind of from the, the ivory tower, as we said earlier, into industry. There's a, a lot of those we could talk about, but I guess I would say 
The biggest was that during a PhD program, there aren't really natural pathways to working outside of academia. So you really have to do a lot of that footwork on your own and sometimes make tough decisions about how you maneuver your time and your space and your focuses. And there's a lot of pressure to focus on getting published and getting in journals and presenting at conferences. And personally, I just didn't think the opportunity cost of those things would be really worth it for me and my long-term goals because knowing that I wanted to go into industry, I knew that publications and conferences just was not valued the same exact way as it is in academia. So while I was in my program, I focused on really understanding industry trends, the nuances of the space, and really crafting my dissertation to be easily adaptable and relevant outside of an academic setting. And so I was actually able to complete my PhD in three years and being hyper-focused in that way. And I think that actually really started to help me prepare for, you know, the pace at which industry research moves in comparison. In academia, you might study something for years and then take six to 12 months before it even gets published and seen by anyone. And in industry research and in tech, you might have six weeks to build a whole study, conduct it, share out findings, you know, or even just a few days to synthesize some previous research and present it to a team. And so the pace was definitely adjustment, but I enjoyed it. You see impact and results a lot faster. And I think that that can be great in a lot of instances. Listen, if folks could see us right now, they would know that I was nodding my head the entire time that you were speaking, especially as it relates to the pace, right? Like that pace is nothing to play with in a non-academic setting because you may have to write a statement quickly responding to some event that just occurred. You may have to quickly prepare for an unexpected meeting, like you just said, or the press may be calling you to comment on the issue of the day. And you really have to be able to be flexible, right? And to be ready to shift priorities and and be ready to quickly and effectively react to what's going on. And the fact of the matter is this pace is something that's honestly difficult to understand if you've never experienced, because I know I definitely got the shock of my life when I started my job a couple years ago. But, you know, I also remember someone asking me, you know, how I deal with like the mundane work of policy. And I was like, mundane where, right? Like, firstly, I don't think that anyone in the policy space, whether it's health or criminal justice or tech, believes that they're doing like mundane work, right? And moreover, no day is like the previous day. And don't get me talking about the times that I've had to like literally sprint in a pair of heels in order to get something done. And the thing is, we execute thoughtfully, of course, but things are moving quickly because the fact of the matter is people can't afford for us to waste time, not in the policy space, not in the tech space that you're working in, and not in the tech policy space. And we're really kind of confronted with the fierce urgency of now, so to speak. And so again, I totally agree with everything you said related to PACE, related to those conferences. And also, can we talk about the conferences? They really need to come down on those student (laughs) prices for some of those conferences. It was already like hard enough to be able to just like live a regular sort of life in a PhD program, much less, you know, going to, you know, whatever city and paying however much to go to a conference. But yes, totally agree with everything that you said. I do have to ask because I'm already getting a little spicy here with some of the comments I've made, but now I'm going to ask you a, a question here. A lot of people think that folks who are getting PhDs should just kind of be 
at a university, reading, writing, teaching, and working towards tenure or a top position within a university to have influence over the program. If folks have watched The Chair on Netflix, maybe they get a little bit of insight there. But do you think that and feel like PhDs, particularly communications PhDs, are respected when they leave or kind of deter from that traditional academic path? Coming in hot, aren't we there? Um, <laughs> I think it. I think it depends. So in the academic setting, I will say that I definitely struggled with some folks who did not support me wanting to go into the industry because I knew that in day one, and I approached my work that way. I mean, express that openly. A lot of folks I feel like didn't always, you know, invest the same amount of time and support because they felt like it wasn't going to contribute to academia in the long run. And, you know, that kind of felt like a slight sometimes, but we were with the punches and I figured that out. But I think one issue on the other side in industry is that a lot of people don't fully recognize the transferable skills you get when earning a PhD. So like you said, they're thinking of just reading and writing and teaching. But I truly believe that a teacher who has practical insight and experience, not just theoretical, right, is invaluable in an industry setting. And so the level of research and understanding that we're able to grasp, our depth of knowledge on a specific area, and then the skill set to break that down, analyze it, synthesize it, understand like impact and consequences consequences, identify problems and solutions, then expand on research and then teach someone else about it, that belongs wherever it is needed, okay? I mean, that is just a true skill set that getting a PhD really provides. And doing that in industries with people who have power and influence to bring about real change is just, it's just so invaluable. But again, a lot of people don't have the full context of how transferable those skills are in a practical way. And so unfortunately, they just always don't respect the hustle, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. What, <about> you? <laughs> what yeah. do you think? I, you know, I would say that, you know, similar to what you were saying, that there's a place for PhDs, obviously, in the academy, industry, nonprofits, government, we're needed everywhere. And I would also say, you know, we're both millennials and, and I think we're both creative and we're hustlers and we want to build a life where we're creating change, where we're having influence. And we also, at the end of the day, just want to do what's best for us and we want to do what makes us happy as well. And so, you know, my unsolicited advice to folks who are currently in PhD programs or thinking about even entering PhD programs is to really ask yourself what what do I want out of this? It's not about what your colleagues to your left and your right are doing, right? It's not about what your professors did. And it's not about what your family members even think that you should be doing. It's about you and you have to do whatever you can to create change. And that is a word, okay? So looking forward, Elisa, where do you really see your work and your research going and say like, you know, the next three, five years, 10, if you're real ambitious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really like, you know, working in the government, you know, space. I, I see myself, you know, remaining here for a bit. Um, I would like to get experience working maybe in like a civil rights organization, doing tech policy work for them. And then eventually I do want to down the road, you know, this is probably beyond 10 years, circle back to <laughs> the kind of academic adjacent sort of space. And I would love to start kind of a 
tech policy research and advocacy organization at Howard. Maybe one of those things will already exist and I could be executive director of it. But that if that doesn't already exist at Howard, that's something that I would love to do in order to be able to give back to our alma mater and to just really have people of color have you know, continued influence in the space. But what are you thinking? What do you want to do? Uh, your three to five year plan, 10 year plan, 20 year <laughs> plan. What are you thinking? First of all, you know I have all of them. And one thing I've always <laughs> loved and respected about you is that we are going to have some goals, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, so looking forward, something that's really important to me is bridging the gap between academia and industry. That is like a really, really passion area for me. So one thing that I really want to do is develop more UX research courses at the graduate level. I currently teach a UX design course that dabbles on it, but I would love to be at a university, maybe Howard, teaching a UX methodology course that really shows how quantitative and qualitative methods can really combine and be applicable in industry to give folks that like hands-on experience of working in industry before they graduate. I also want to publish my dissertation as a like whole book very soon, actually. Like that is like a current and active goal that I'm trying to do. One thing I notice is that one, there's not a lot of textbooks around, you know, influencer marketing and written from a industry and academic standpoint. So I would love to make a easily accessible textbook style book that folks can afford, but also could read casually, right? Like that would be really fun. And I think in the long term, I really want to be a more public-facing kind of advocate and expert for pushing forward the equity and diversity and inclusion, all of those things, but in a really meaningful way that impacts creators, that impacts users, that impacts society, that impacts world, and is not just about, you know, the marketing and advertising side of things, but really drives change and kind of puts action behind what people say they want to do and intend to do. So I really want to you have, you know, an impact and influence on the industry, whether that be through consulting, whether that be through teaching more, whether that be through authoring more books or all of those, that would be really great. I love that. So before we close out today's episode, I want to answer a question that we received from at Twitter Research. And the question is, what are some of the most important or valuable ways that academia helps prepare you for your career in industry? Elisa, do you want to take this one first? Yeah, sure. So I would say that, you know, the best thing that we learned in our program is how to write effectively. Now, granted, you have to remember that writing effectively means different things on different mediums, right? Like if you're writing a thread on, on Twitter about a policy issue, that's different than writing a statement. That's different than writing a policy brief or, you know, some type of, you know, research that's going to be published in a book. But those foundational tools of writing that you learn and that you sharpen during your PhD program really help you to be able to effectively communicate your ideas no matter the audience. And also, I would say that you really learn how to like dig into the history of problems. You know, my dissertation was uh, kind of fell in the, the critical paradigm. So I asked questions not only about what is, but I asked questions about what could be. And that is exactly what I'm doing in my policy work now by advocating for the implementation of bold and inclusive policies to kind of, you know, right the wrongs of the past and even the present. And honestly, I know this is going to sound like corny or, or cliche, but I simply would not be where I'm at today without our PhD program and without Howard University. So that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> 
Girl, plus one to all of that, okay? Howard really, really equips us for real-world experiences, and I know that that's something that's often heavily debated when we talk about HBCUs, but hands down, Howard has really given us just invaluable skills and experiences. I would say one of the things in that vein is my ability to work with people from such different backgrounds and areas. Um, In academia, people are coming from so many different paths, so many different ages, cultures, and it's just really diverse. And as we work in, you know, real world environments and even global environments now, that has been really valuable and having empathy and seeing things from other people's perspective and just really adapting to life differences as you work with people. I'd also add just being able to synthesize a lot of information, right? My dissertation advisor always reminded me that our knowledge should be an inch wide and a mile deep. And just with that kind of perspective on something, you can really just see things from so many different angles, right? Like going a mile deep in something, like Mm -hmm. you truly know that topic, you really know that area. And so you're really able to pull out the important pieces. You're really able to make connections. And that has been really invaluable in my job in the industry because a lot of my stakeholders don't have PhDs, right? They don't think of things from the same perspective. And so translating insights in a way that's digestible to a designer, to an engineer, to a product manager, all of those things. And just being really able to clearly communicate what you've researched and what you found is so important. And then I would also say, lastly, is methodologies. As I mentioned earlier, there are no, you know, UX method courses at Howard or, you know, in most graduate programs, I'd imagine. And so while I never took that, I feel like so much of my qualitative and quantitative research translates into the industry. And it really gave me a foundation to begin as a UX researcher and really grow and contribute to this space. And it's been really great. So yeah, that is all we have for you guys today, folks. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of I Wish I Knew. We got through a lot in this little chat. Yeah, we talked about deciding between staying in academia to working in industry, nonprofits and government and kind of the different pathways and difficulties that you experience when you work outside of the ivory tower. Yes, so many valuable nuggets. Well, you can connect with us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Jazz Walker. And I'm at Elisa Valentine. Or you can join the conversation and tweet us any questions at Twitter Research to have them answered in a future episode. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out. Thank you. Thank you.